Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 11th of July, 2020. Faith leads to action. This is a familiar concept throughout the Bible. But when you stop and think about it, it's actually kind of familiar throughout all of life. When you think that something is worth it, that's some, what we would call faith, it leads you to do something, right? If you think of getting in shape as worth it, that will motivate you to exercise, to eat well. When you think that a certain financial investment will be worth it, it motivates you to Put your money into a certain business or a certain stock or a certain real estate opportunity. Faith leads to action. And when the faith starts to wane, the action is going to wane. When you start thinking, I don't think the exercise and the, the diet that I'm eating is leading to physical fitness, you're going to be more tempted to give up. So faith and action are very linked. And that fits in very well with what we've been learning in the book of Galatians, where today we'll be looking at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. And in this, we see, again, that faith is linked to action, but that's a bigger part of the book of Galatians that we've been seeing because he's making the point, no, we are not saved by our works. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But that faith is going to lead to good works. Because when we believe something, it's going to lead us to action. And we've started to see it will lead us to the fruit of the Spirit, what we saw yesterday. And as we pick it up in Galatians 6 today, we see it'll affect how we treat other people. That in verses 1 and 2, we'll have a concern to care for others, to invest in them spiritually, and when they sin, to restore them with gentleness, to bear their burdens. But the passage that I really want us to look at today is verses 7 through 10, which says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there's this concept of sowing and reaping. And the verse that I really want us to hone in on there today is verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. Are you weary today? Just in the Christian life, are you weary of, of doing the right thing, of, of serving others? Maybe it's it's 2020 and our, everything that's going on and, you know, coming up on four months now of dealing with all of this COVID stuff. Are you just weary and, and frustrated? Maybe it's struggle with your own flesh and the, the fight for sanctification seems difficult. Whatever it might be. I want to encourage you today to keep 
going. Do not grow weary. And I want to remind you, how do we not grow weary? Just, hey, suck it up, everybody. You got to dig deep now. Come on. It's the fourth quarter and the game's on the line. No, that's that's not the attitude that's going to get us there. What's going to cause us to keep going is faith. And that's the encouragement here. It says, let us not grow weary for in due season, we will reap. Look ahead, have faith that what you are doing to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord, it's worth it. It will be worth it because we will reap. It doesn't say we might reap. It says we will reap. Do you believe that? And I want you to set your eyes on the prize today. Set your eyes on the future that you will reap. And that could look like a variety of things. There might be ways that you're serving Christ right now and you don't see the fruit of it, but you will see the fruit down the line if you are faithful. Could be personal, the battle of sanctification, where if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you, you, you will reap. And I think in some ways, the, the reaping will ultimately happen in eternity. A hundred years from now, when you are in the presence of Jesus Christ, you will not look back at the efforts you made to grow in faith, to serve the Lord, to share your faith. You won't look back on any of it as wasted. So set your eyes on the prize today. Keep going. By looking at that promise, we will reap. Makes me think of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which calls us to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Are you trying to serve and follow the Lord today? It's not in vain. You will reap. You might not feel like you reap today, but trust that promise of God. Have faith in that promise and let that propel you forward. Maybe if you're thinking about, man, I am weary and maybe even of doing doing what's right or, or serving the Lord, maybe one of the things contributing to your weariness is looking out at the world and just seeing all kinds of chaos and all kinds of problems. Well, that's where Psalm 82 might help us today. Our reading from the Psalms, Psalm 82, which starts off in verse one by saying, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. He holds judgment. Now, I'll let you use one of your three timeouts right here to say, wait, I thought this was a monotheistic religion. I thought there was only one God. So how can God be taking his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods? How does that work? Well, I think the best way, and then later it it talks about in verse six, it says, you are gods. And when we read this Psalm, and especially we consider Jesus's commentary on this Psalm in John 10, 34, I think it's best to understand these gods, I'm making air quotes right now around these gods right now. He's referring to human leaders, human leaders, rulers, and kings. And maybe it's even a little sarcastic, you know, especially in verse six, you are, you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Maybe it's God even being a little sarcastic to these earthly rulers who think they're so big and so bad, right? But God is saying something. That he, what is he saying? He, in the midst of the gods, in the midst of all these rulers, the true God, he holds judgment. 
Verse 2, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. It's making clear God is in control and he knows what true justice is. And he will hold earthly authorities accountable someday for for what they have done. Verse 8 says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. Let that be an encouragement to you today, even if you are weary. Because we look out at the world and we see all kinds of problems, especially even when we look at earthly rulers and we scratch our heads and say, Why is, is this all there is? Well, the answer is no, there is more because God is on the throne. He is ruling over all the rulers and he will hold them accountable and he will inherit all the nations. So trust in God today and let that be another thing that encourages your heart. Now, let's look at chapter 5 of Luke today. We we finish up chapter 5, Luke 5, 33 to 39. And in this passage, we see this question about fasting. Why don't your disciples fast? That's what the Pharisees want to ask Jesus. And I think it might be something, hey, if we're weary today, some of that weariness should be expected. Because Jesus says, hey, my disciples don't fast because when you're at a wedding, do you fast? No, you celebrate. And the disciples right now, the bridegroom is here. I'm the bridegroom. And so they're rejoicing because I am here with them. And he says, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast in those days. And that's a good reminder For us, Jesus is not here right now. We are waiting for him to come back. These are days of fasting. These are days when we should expect there to be some weariness and some groaning in our hearts as we wait for Christ to return. So one of the best things we can do sometimes in response would be to respond in fasting, which we see biblically fasting is usually connected with prayer. Are we weary? Are we frustrated at how things are going in the world? Then it would be appropriate for us in this time in human history to respond in prayer and in fasting. And the fasting that we do shouldn't look anything like the Pharisees. That's the whole point of the new wine and the old wineskins. He's saying, hey, your fasting is all about ceremony and ritual and all of that. That's that's old. And you can't stick a patch on that. We, we need something new. And even the fasting that's going to happen after I leave is going to be different. It's not going to be about ceremony. And just because it's going to be, and this is what it always should have been, it's going to be about seeking the Lord. It's going to be about prayer. It's going to be about all of the things that concern the kingdom of God. So now is the time to pray, to pour out our hearts to God. Well, we get more into the story of David today in 1 Chronicles chapters 11 through 13. And in chapters 11 through 13, we see a lot about David's mighty men. And you see these, you know, military soldiers who served with and alongside David. And you even read about some of the incredible things that they did. But chapter 13, you read something that, I mean, when we read it, we always kind of make it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh, when we read it, we're like, wow, that, that, that seems intense. We read the story of Uzzah and the Ark, where David says, hey, let's bring the Ark back to Jerusalem. 
And so they do it, but they don't do it the way God had told them to do it, where the priests were to carry the Ark of the Covenant. They put it on an ox cart. And no, they didn't have nice uh, paved roads in those days. And so as the ox cart is going along, it hits a bump in the road and the Ark is going to fall off of the ox cart. And so this guy, Uzzah, he does what, I mean, we probably all would like to think we would have done in the moment. He puts out his hand to stop the Ark of the Covenant from falling and hitting the ground. And as he does so, he is struck dead. He dies in that moment. And that is an amazing thing. And we were like, wow, why, why is that? And one explanation is, hey, this... this is not what was supposed to happen. It shouldn't have been on an ox cart. They were not supposed to touch the Ark of, of the Covenant and rules are rules. Well, I think, yes, the rules of God are to be taken seriously, but I think there's a, a deeper meaning. And I was kind of taught that growing up. And then I read a book called The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. And he talks about this and he highlights the point of why the rule was there. Why were men not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant? And that is because this was the the physical representation of a holy God. And what is man? We are not holy. We are sinful. And so, yes, it would have been better for the ark to fall and hit the ground of the earth, which follows the commands of the Lord, than to touch a sinful human being. And, And that's where we need to understand that the gap between sinful man and a holy God is so much bigger than we often want to admit. We want to think of ourselves as not that bad and our thoughts of God aren't as high as they should be. When no, our sin is worse than we realize and God is holier than we can ever wrap our minds around. And so instead of walking away from this thinking, wow, that's intense, that's harsh today, I think we should leave today thinking, wow, the gospel is amazing. That that God who is so holy that he could not even stand a sinful human touching the Ark of the Covenant, that God sent his son into this world and Jesus, the son of God, died on the cross for our sins so that you and I could be reconciled to that holy God. What an amazing truth. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.